Hi, we are Easy A's, Angie and Amanda, two best friends with a decade between us, which has shown us that you don't have to be at the same age and stage to get each other at a soul level. We believe life should be easy, not to say that it won't be complicated, but we are finding it is possible to move through life with more ease. Join us as we go down the rabbit hole of anything and everything that is lighting us up at the moment. Amanda, I am so excited. (laughs) This is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one. We have talked about having this person on for, I mean, obviously we only have a couple episodes, but we've still talked about having this person on pretty consistently. And it's always been on our list of kind of must haves. Yes. So yeah, we have been one of the first people we said we wanted and that's why. And that's why she's one of the first people we have. Yeah. So we have mentioned before having somebody who we have common ground with in terms of our own kind of consciousness shifts and awakening and her name is Annie Browning, and she has been a real friend and mentor to both of us over the last number of years. Well, she's been a friend to me for a really long time. Totally. But yeah. But I think she's responsible for uh, easing us into this world of for sure. spirituality and everything. Yeah. I mean, that's my first experience. And yeah. that's because you knew her. Yeah. Well, um, and so, our, yeah. our backgrounds were definitely intertwined for a long time. I think Annie and I became friends. Let me think back. My brain hurts a little bit. I think we got to know each other starting in around 2006, if I had to guess, maybe 2007, but probably might have even been a little before that, 2005 even. And we knew each other because her brother was a roommate and really good friend to my, at the time, husband prior to us getting married. And we went to colleges that were very closely related in the world of of the kind of religious setting that we grew up in. And we became very fast friends. But this journey that you and I are talking about and her kind of embarking on with us came quite a bit later. I mean, fast forward from 2005 to, you know, 2016, 17, maybe 18. And that's, that's kind of where this journey starts. Yeah. So we will definitely get into all of that with, with Annie and we're so excited. So absolutely. So with that, let's do it. Annie, welcome to easy A's. Thank you. Thank you both. We are so happy to have you here. And we just both really feel so kind of connected and excited to have you talk about the work that you do and the processes that you help others walk through in their own journeys, because it's been something that has been so meaningful to both Amanda and I. Absolutely. Um, So, Annie, if you would... Maybe start off by giving us more about how you kind of got into this work and where you are today and the journey that led you to where you are now. Absolutely. Well, and as I begin, um, Angie, I think back, um, I moved to Denver in 2004, the very end of 2004. And so I met okay. you early, t- t- you know, 2005. Okay, so, so it's it been a long five. journey. It's been a yeah. long journey, friend. Yeah. Uh, But just to say that, like Angie mentioned, um, you know, I grew up in a a fairly conservative or traditional religious community and, um, and yet my spiritual journey is, is pretty divergent from, I would say what I was raised in. Um, But as a young, young child, I have very vivid memories of seeing colors around people that I was looking at or, you know, connecting with um, the earth in a way that was simply beyond just the tactile dirt that I was feeling, you know, beneath my fingers or often having extremely vivid, uh, lucid dreams at night where I felt like I was almost leaving my body in some ways. And when I would communicate um, about these experiences, um, you know, my parents were fairly open-minded and progressive and understanding, and yet also a little perplexed at times. Um, But my religious context in particular you know, was quickly sort of told that these kind of experiences were not welcome or, you know, actually they had a lot more pejorative things to say about them. But I say that with love for the community that, that I was raised in. And yet it's, it's 
you know, a place of digression for me at this point in my journey. Very simply, the more I began to study and learn and grow, I realized that I was having mystical experiences, you know, as a child and, you know, that they're actually quite common for all of us who start to look at the world in a far more um, dimensional way, rather than just sort of the flat, you know, 2D, 1D way of understanding things around us. Mm-hmm. And likely those of you listening probably have experiences as a young child of maybe even, you know, being with a beloved pet. And there was something that you couldn't quite explain that was happening in the space between the two of you, you know, as you were petting a beloved pet or that there was conversations happening, you know, um, among loved ones. And you felt like you could almost feel the space in between the words and that there was something else that was happening. And so fast forward, you know, I've, I've always been highly, highly intuitive, very empathic, um, highly aware of space, um, sensation, vibration, movement that again, just didn't meet the eye and, uh, you know, continued a career that was very, you know, fruitful. And I really enjoyed my work, you know, working in the realms of psychology and spirituality and, um, you know, few years ago, it's actually been about five or six years ago, had a pretty significant and sudden awakening experience. And it actually left me um, fairly discombobulated for quite a while. To be honest, it wasn't all sunshine and roses. Uh, It was, you know, it it upset our family life, it upset my career. um, And really feeling like I could know who I was anymore. So a lot has happened since then, of course, but just to say that it's actually a return. All all of our spiritual life is a return to what we really are. It is a coming back home. It is reconnecting with perhaps that part of childhood that we know with fondness that actually isn't a distant memory, but it is a reality of what we have been created to be. And so that journey of return is where I stand in today, never finished, You're always Mm -hmm. returning, Um, but it has been really the impetus for my work and also how I, um, as I'm getting teary, um, how I seek to be just absolutely present um, and in a state of love Mm -hmm. with all those that I meet. Mm. It's lovely. It is. It's so beautiful. And it had me thinking, you know, when you were talking a little bit about the experiences you had in childhood, Annie, that your parents were supportive of, but obviously from the external world, there's a lot of kind of doubt and skepticism. You're a mother of four children. Mm -hmm. And I would love to hear you talk a little bit about how as a parent now, knowing that your children very likely have experiences that are not dissimilar to your own some knowings, some mystical experiences, seeing things, experiencing things that the rest of the world may not be seeing or experiencing. Can you talk, um, you know, without, you know, kind of violating any of their privacy around how is that something that you talk about with them? And have they expressed any of that with you? And is there a way as a parent that you try your best to support them through their experiences like that? Yes, absolutely. Um, And to say that the whole premise of my work is that awakening is for everyone. It is no longer for, you know, the elite or the special that are sitting on a mountaintop, but rather our world is being called into an awakening state. And so the more we can find direct, easy, applicable, common ways to incorporate awakening into our life, our world, our families, um, the more I find hope and promise for where our world may change. Um, So going back to my children, they're all very different. And like every parent, um, there's a constant kind of mallying or moving around, kind of being malleable to adjust to the different needs of each child. However, one um, piece that I find us practicing often in our family life is really connecting beyond the mind, but into our experience um, and our experience that is found also completely in the present day. Um, in what is happening every single moment. And of course, my children, like most children, do express 
different experiences that, um, you know, my rational mind would kind of go quizzical about, um, more of my right brain, my intuitive side understands fully, you know, how they are experiencing and, um, open to the world. I'll give one little anecdote, um, about my eldest son, because it's likely most poignant and, um, connects in with most parents. He is, he's fairly structured. He's fairly logical. Um, he's pretty succinct and brief in how he speaks about things. Um, really loves of course the math and the and science in school. So he would follow that kind of typical pattern of a left brain, um, individual. And, um, I regularly sit with him and we chat and we talk and we engage a bit and he still will express things in that pretty logical form. Uh, one day we were hiking together and I paused and said, you know, maybe we could just sit by this tree for a little bit, just to take a break and nothing spiritual, you know, cause he, he can get a little resistive rolls his eyes at me sometimes. I know. <laughs> it's okay. He's still, we're all children. Right. So we just sat there for a bit. And then there was a point where I said, you know, I wonder there's, there's some energy here. I wonder if we could just take a minute and close our eyes. Um, and then I asked him, I said, you know what, what do you feel there? I just wonder. And I completely ex expected him to say, I feel a tree and I feel the dirt. Um, and he did say those things. And then he paused and he said, do you know what I really feel? He said, I feel a lot of love. Mm. And um, he said the love was coming up through the earth. So I use that as an example of, of we all are wired in our own particular ways in which we, you know, engage and understand the world. And yet there is um, a way of knowing that is across all spectrums, all ways of understanding all people about how we know wisdom, how we know truth, how we know love, how we know human connection and experience, how we know um, how we are in, in the midst of a world that is not just um, a, again, one dimensional. And the more we can acknowledge and validate, especially in our young ones of their experiences um, and give voice and also um, affect or um, feedback that we are hearing them. I think the more we will see that some of these giftings, some of these awarenesses do not need to just go to sleep for a period of time, but they can stay somewhat active. Um, even as we journey through at the necessary developmental stages, we all need to go through them. But my hope is that it doesn't completely go dormant only then to be reactivated often when we are in midlife that's so beautiful. amazing like if i know and you're like if we all had that experience you know what would that be like so kind of on the flip side of that though for most of us who are i mean i would imagine most of the clients that you have are people who have lived a life a certain way and are looking to do it differently mm. and then you know with angie myself you, Annie, like having that religious background, what do you say to like people who have a lot of fear and and doubt about this new way? And and kind of when I think about it, like how do we how do you help people say that it's okay all the things you've learned before this? Like they can also you can still even believe some of those things mm -hmm. um, and use those you know, to even awaken more, I, I don't know, kind of, so just talk around helping people through their fear. Right. No, I think that's a fantastic question. No, it's, it's a beautiful one. And, um, one, one aspect of awakening that I strongly adhere to, and I think all of us, um, you know, together, the three of us would agree with this is you do not need to leave your religious system behind or your belief system in order to awaken. Will it be altered or even perhaps be seen differently through an awakened lens? Likely, yes. And however, um, the call to awaken is universal. Um, it is consistent, it is comprehensive. It is something that actually knocks on the door within each of us, no matter where we are at in any part of the world. This invitation to really begin to live from a deeper, wiser place within. And that is um, nothing I would say outside of any particular religious system per se, 
does it ex- does it expand it? Yes. Does it grow it? Does it open it? Does it illumine it? Yes. So looking back on the teachings that I hold dear from my own faith tradition, now as I view them, not that I've arrived, but you view them for, through more of an awakened perspective, um, it actually brings forward, um, perhaps in my context, the life and the teachings of Jesus in a way that is absolutely powerful. So I think of um, an example where, um, you know, you think of Jesus approaching the tree um, where Zacchaeus is and calling him down and inviting him to come so he can go to his home. And we think of perhaps our childlike way of understanding that of, you know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and (laughs) all the things we would have said, right? (laughs) It served, it it served a purpose. Was it wrong? Was it incorrect? You know, was it out of, you know, something we wouldn't, we would just dismiss completely? Not necessarily. From an awakened perspective, if you feel it as a narrative, like a meta narrative for awakening, he is calling him down from his old way of life. He's inviting him to cross over into understanding himself in a new way and to realize that um, his way of understanding the world, being a tax collector, being a small person, um, you know, being stuck in a particular ideology or mindset is not actually what defines him. There is a way of crossing over and meeting Jesus in an absolutely new and transformative way. If you Mm. hear it in that context, I would say many spiritual religious traditions would align with that way of understanding that narrative. And yet um, it's simply um, the lens in which we come. And the intention is that it frees us. I mean, it absolutely frees us to be in a far more um, co-collaborative, engaged way of connecting in with our faith traditions, not simply swallowing what is being given to us, but seeing it as a narrative that we walk into we engage with, we live into fully rather than that sort of removed observing perspective that would say, let me read what this is in, you know, Mark chapter two or whatever. (laughs) Um, And then it really doesn't have any lived breathing experience in my life. Um, I could go on and on, but let me pause and just say some one piece about fear. Um, We often think of fear as bad and as something to get rid of. Often, um, the approach that I would embody for fear is that it is your teacher, it is your friend, it is something to embrace. Um, It has served you well in likely keeping you into particular life patterns um, that have served for a period of time. And often fear is bodily. So when we feel that fear rising of there's something new, or I'm thinking differently about my faith tradition, um, the more we can acknowledge, accept, invite, allow the fear to be as it is, think of it like a small kind of wounded part within us, the more we can acknowledge and allow it to simply be as it is, the more it tends to actually fall away into a quieter place in which it is not leading or driving us anymore, but it actually is more like a friend and a companion on our path. You were just talking about this notion of like the patience that it takes and getting over the idea that you've arrived ever (laughs) and how it's all just so connected. And there's something so like, to me, so relieving about saying, okay, like I can just, yeah, there's going to be fear and there's going to be situations that are not so, Mm -hmm. you know, lovely, but you know, it's all part of it. And that's just, kind of allowing the allowing Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and annie you talk a lot about that i mean you're the first person who introduced me to the concept of allowing allowing and the unknown and of course that always makes me want to sing frozen (laughs) frozen (laughs) two into the unknown but um angie probably doesn't want me to do that no i actually do but (laughs) can you talk about that a little bit more um because i think that's part of the process that you help people teach people, but, you know, the allowing, yielding, stilling, all that good stuff. Um, I'm going to talk about that. Sure. Um, so it, it's actually a positioning in life, which I think is, you know, the, the, the overarching theme of what this podcast is about and also about your work 
together, you and you and Angie. Um, but it is about adopting a position in life in which um, it is not about striving, efforting, kind of making something happen. It does not mean that we are inactive or become kind of slobs on a couch, not at all. But rather, it's a far more attuned positioning that is noticing where things are naturally moving in our life, where there's invitations that are happening, um, where we are simply being invited into a new way of living. And then we align ourselves in that almost stream of energy so we can move with life, not in opposition to it. Um, and it's it takes practice, right? Because the, the natural kind of way we are oriented, especially in our Western culture, um, is to be in this sort of fighter position when we where we are going to push through and make something happen. However, um, you know, resistance simply creates more resistance, and the more we are actually in opposition to, the more we likely experience those um, awarenesses in our body, in our being, just how we are functioning in our life. Um, so, allowing, I would say, very simply. Sometimes the simplest way to allow is to start to notice in the body, are you relaxing? Are you softening? Are you even kind of leaning back in the chair? Um, are, is your chin, you know, and your jaw in that relaxed state? Are the eyes soft? You know, are the hands open? These are very simple little cues that can help us get into more of that allowing position. Um, in my work, you know, we use the, the heart center and then the navel or the wisdom center to help us get into that allowing positioning, but it really is letting life lead and move with you rather than you trying to lead and orchestrate your own life. That is so powerful because I'm thinking about conversations that I've had with my husband lately around our limbic brain and how we mm -hmm. respond in circumstances around fight, flight, and fear and freeze. Sorry. And when you think about allow and yield and still, you might liken that to a freeze response, but it's not the same at all. And it's really what you're describing is a way of transforming your limbic system and your limbic brain to behave differently mm -hmm. and to be present in a different way in your life. And that the concept of allowing is so different from all of those three things, which are our natural responses to circumstances that might create fear in well, us. Yeah, when you're uncomfortable, you want to get rid of that discomfort. So this is more saying, I mean, just as Annie was describing it, I felt so relaxed. You're just allowing it and saying, right, it's cool that this is showing up. I'm allowing it. Right. And, and we, what does it have to teach me? Right. And normally we just want to get rid of it. Nobody wants that. No. <laughs> Bury it. Far, far. But what we know is that when we give into our limbic functioning, it actually doesn't do anything for us. It it doesn't teach us anything. It doesn't right. act, it might protect us. And like you said, that does serve a place and a point in your life. I, it's not that I think the limbic system, you know, be damned with it, but I think that it's it's a really different way to approach life. Yes, no, it is. It's not kind of what we're um, implicitly taught or instructed or guided to do, you know, mm -hmm. it, and so it takes practice. It really does take practice to be in this particular positioning that can start to mitigate just some of those. We all have, you know, physiological responses that are going to happen um, depending on what the stimuli is, of course. However, um, this different kind of positioning um, allows us, again, to move with life rather than in opposition to it. Even that which you would say, as you said, Amanda, we all have stuff we don't want. Mm -hmm. They okay. often are our greatest teachers, though. Mm -hmm. And that is not a call for suffering or martyrdom, by the way. It simply is to notice what is being delivered into our life and how it might also be guiding us or moving us forward. So in the same way... Um, <clears throat> Can you talk about how to allow and still also have intentions and, mm. um, you know, you talked about like, just because you're allowing doesn't mean you're just like this lazy person who's like, right. I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to like lay down and it's fine. Um, how do we still have intentions for ourselves and things, our desires and manifestation? Yeah. Manifesting yeah. things that we want um, but still allowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So I do think of, of allowing is the manner in which you are manifesting um, and not exactly the end result per se. Mm -hmm. So again, I'll, I'll use the word positioning, but we can be in a positioning of allowing and still be absolutely clear within about what we want to manifest in our life, even little pieces of how we want to manifest it. And on a meta level, kind of that higher purpose of what we are called to be in this world. And the two do not need to be in opposition to one another. Again, the allowing is the how. So often um, we actually um, are wanting to create something in the world, but because we are so um, in a state of striving and effort and almost pushing or forcing something from an ego state, we actually create more of what we do not intend to in our world. Um, and just to say, we see that all over the place, the best of intentions actually create these outcomes that we, we, we didn't want or hope for, but it creates more strife. It creates um, more friction. It creates conflict. So when we are in an allowing position, I actually think of it as being in balance. So even right now, if I ask all of you on the on the call who are listening to kind of find a place of balance on the inside. And it's intuitive, not mental. But if you can imagine it like a seesaw within, and you're just finding that fulcrum point, when you drop inside and you find that balance position, it's allowing, then this is where we create from. And this is where we manifest what we actually are really called to. And when we are in a place of balance, I would guarantee you, really guarantee you that you're not going to want some of the same things that your ego state says you need to have. So it becomes clearer, becomes more centered, it becomes more soulful, and it likely is also not just for you, but for the whole. And that's really where we are being called to manifest from in this position that is open, loving, accepting, allowing, invitational, and its quality. Um, in that it will create, and it will also create that which is for the greater good, not just for, you know, perhaps the ego that says, if I had, you know, X, Y, and Z, then I would be fill in the blank. The reality is when we are in that centered position, like that balance, that allowing place on the inside, it's coming from a premise that you already have everything you need, that all is well, that you are well. You are in a place of wholeness and stillness, and that is the place in which we create from. It just reminds me so much too of what you when where you started out in terms of talking about the things that we are in most resistance and opposition to are the things that are going to continue to repeat themselves, kind of within our lives. And it reminds me of, I think it's Eckhart Tolle that says, you know, kind of what you resist is going to persist, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so then what you're talking about here is literally, quite literally the antithesis of that, right? How do mm -hmm. you release resistance? And mm -hmm. it feels so difficult to do that when you're in the midst of it, but it is very powerful on the handful of circumstances I've been able to, to do that. It, it has been a really powerful experience. And if I can, um, not to jump in, I mean, I want to please, please direct and guide <laughs> this conversation. Um, but, you know, as I'm talking, I can hear in my ear, just in my own self-reflection that, you know, it can sound kind of pie in the sky and like, this would be really lovely. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of crap that's that has been part of my own life over the past few years, a lot of undoing. And so part of this positioning within of allowing, you're also allowing that which your ego is really attached to, to also start to fall away. And a lot of times spiritually, we don't talk about this part of, of awakening. We wish to kind of bypass it and get to sort of the cosmic space in which you feel a sense of oneness with the universe. That's all very lovely, but it, it really is also about the position of allowing that invites you into undoing to a degree, the parts of your life that have a sense of attachment or connection to, um, I would call it that if I get this, then everything's going to be that, you know, you can fill mm -hmm. in your own blanks, right? But that is part of, of the journey as well, of really um, allowing the illusions that we have lived into 
um, about success or fame or money or fortune or the right kind of, um, you know, circle of friends or connections that will support us or the things that we say we, we absolutely could not live without. All of those do, in essence, come into being tested um, or at least invited to transform in the awakening process. And we're never done. Um, but it, it is, it can be painful. And I think as you both have pointed out that there's a lot that can fall apart in, in, in the midst of allowing and opening into this inner stillness. I am so glad you brought that up because that was actually kind of where I wanted to steal the, steer the conversation next, because you've talked about, well, it's probably because I know you so well, mm-hmm. but like your life has undergone an entire transformation. Mm-hmm. in the last five years. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think that we all understand that when we enter the realm of any sort of consciousness shifting and looking through different lens, we understand that we are going to be different, but we don't necessarily think about how it's going to impact collaterally everyone around us mm-hmm. and our lived experience in life and our physical circumstances and our familial circumstances. And so I don't want to tell your story for you, but I'd love, because I think that it helps people understand that they're not alone when they are Mm -hmm. experiencing this undoing or when they are seeing things shift and some people move out of their lives and, you know, other people move into their lives. And I just, I think that it is helpful to know that there can be an expected difference that's going to come about. And so I would just like to hear a little bit from you about your own, whether you want to talk about, you know, your, your living situation or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the effect that it's had on your relationships or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'll say um, in an overarching way, when we begin to awaken, we essentially, again, are returning to a soul state within us, a higher self, a wiser piece of ourself that we may have felt like we left behind. And that process, of course, has its impact. It has layers um, that start to shift and change because we are changing, not just exterior in an exterior way, but we're changing literally from, from our very inside, almost moving into our outside exterior life. So that decision, there is kind of a decision point where there is a yes within us about deciding to come back home to what we truly are. And that yes doesn't have strings attached to it of, I I tried that, to be honest. I was like, I'll say yes to what's opening in me. You know, if I know my children will be okay, if I know I won't lose my marriage, you know, if I know that I can stay living exactly where I am, you know, and if I know my bank account has a certain amount in it. Mm. And um, I can't tell you what your strings attached are. those of you listening, I just know those were mine. And sure enough, like awakening kind of touched all of those, to be honest, Um, (laughs) not in the way that I thought it may have at at times, but it was always in a way that was right and good. And it still happens, of course. Um, But, you know, just we, my, my family and I, we were living, you know, in a suburb of Denver and really had built the life that I would have said, um, if I had to check boxes off on what I would have said success would have meant for me and for our family, we were certainly hitting all of those check boxes. And around that time, and Angie knows this part, right when we had moved back into this incredibly remodeled home, our dream home, um, you know, everything started to fall apart. And looking back, I can still feel the pain, you know, even in my body of just some of the losses that in, in you know, followed some of the awakening movements. And I, I hear to say, do not let that part scare you um, if you are awakening, because there is always this larger path that is leading us. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt along the way. Um, and there isn't mm-hmm. some just saying, I am choosing to embrace what is changing because looking back now, um, this is likely the, the, the fullest expression of my life and my family's life. You're never done, mm-hmm. but there, we were just talking about this this morning. Um, this is likely just one of the most life-giving parts of, of our, of our experience that we've ever had um, to the point where, you know, one of our children just said to us, you know, um, please tell me that we can stay here, that we can stay in the home we're in. And I said, well, buddy, 
I'm going to say yes, but we already know that it's a yes and we're still, <laughs> we're still <laughs> being led, right? It's, um, but I would say yes in a wholehearted way. So I'll yeah. just say briefly, you know, um, you know, things really started to fall apart um, in our marriage, business ventures. Um, children suddenly weren't doing very well in school. Like it just felt like the world was falling apart. And there was a moment, and this is goes back to allowing. I still remember that moment where there was a the decision point of whether we were going to strive and push ahead and fight through everything like we had always known to do or whether we were going to take a step back and say, there's obviously something else moving here that is inviting us to a change. And do we have the capacity to take a really hard, long look in the mirror? Mm -hmm. And in essence, it felt like a jumping off the bridge. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if there's any way to kind of get around that. So we took the jump, um, Mm -hmm. decided to change our life completely. Um, And again, it doesn't mean it wasn't without a lot of wavering along the way. We're still in it in some ways too. Um, but, you know, in short, we were living probably a life that people would have said they envied, you know, right jobs, right home, you know, right children, just everything looked perfect. The reality is that, as I would say, it was an illusion. Mm-hmm. And so and now we live um, on a ranch in the mountains and have a much simpler life. Uh kind of feel like going back to the basics of what we are mm-hmm. and yet there's such beauty and joy in it. Um, I, I'm going to get teary, but every day that I walk outside and I see the stars without any light pollution or feel um, just the aliveness of nature all around me, um, there is a knowing within me that I have come home. I have mm-hmm. come home to the place and the way um, and the life that, that I have been called into. Again, my caveat, we still have fights. Our children can still be annoying. <laughs> like, do not hear that, that if you wave a magic wand and really follow an awakening journey, that you know it's still life, right? right? But you live it from a different place within. That's what makes all the difference. Right. You always assume it's easier for other people, though. Right. Just, Annie, I know you and I have talked about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Just people just assume that. And it's, it's still, I mean, I find myself assuming that, you know, and it's good to remember that that's not true. No, it's totally not true. And I remember just kind of, I don't even know timeline wise, but I'm thinking Annie, that it was around Easter of 2018. I don't know when you moved back into the remodeled home, but I remember it was basically your housewarming party back into Mm -hmm. your new home. And Morgan sits down and tells Ian and I, that you guys are thinking about moving either to the Mm -hmm. mountains or Ireland. And we're Mm -hmm. like, what, but you literally just moved back into your home. (laughs) And it's, and then I think, and I fast forward in my own mind to January of 2019, when you and I were having a session Mm -hmm. where that morning I had pulled kind of a card spread for the year where like, literally it was just showing my life. I had pulled the tower card and I hadn't told you yet that, but like basically that card just showing that like everything's going to flip upside down and what you thought you knew you don't, and it's going to look very different. And that session that you and I had that day, you said, I don't necessarily know where you're going to be by the end of 2019, but it's completely the opposite of where you are today. And like (laughs) whatever things are going to look like, it's, it's going to be a reckoning. It's not going to be easy. And, and it wasn't, it was, Mm -hmm. it was a year, but, literally it just was incredibly transformative and so my experience amanda's experience your experience they were all very different but nonetheless there is no getting around the fact that if this is a journey you step into consciously it is going it's going to change a lot if not every kind of primary tenant of your being and in some way shape or form absolutely yeah. And I wish, you know, all of us, our egos wish that we could dictate how it would unfold for us. Um, and yet part of this sacred positioning of really living an awakened life um, is willing to move with the unfolding path, not always easy or comfortable for sure, yeah. um, but always lifting us into a higher, a higher place of being. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> we so badly just want to you think actually i think when i started 
you know, when I first met with you, Annie, it's like you won all the answers, like you were just saying, and you you think you can handle even knowing all of that. And like, just <laughs> give me the day, the time. And, but that isn't, that doesn't work. It really doesn't because that's just our minds. And I know, Annie, you've said many times, like, we're just like linear, linear, you know, we like to think of things, you know, as you know, you have these markers and you're like, it's another birthday. It's another year. That means mm-hmm, something, but mm-hmm. that's not even anything in the grand scheme of it. It's, just our minds trying to be like, if you could just tell me my future. Well, literally, there's right, no but, fun in that. <laughs> there's not, but there, it feels like there would be comfort, right? Like literally right before we started having this conversation with you tonight, Annie, we were talking about how nice it would be like if we knew the two options on the table and we could just know which one to go to, like we, we know option A looks like this and this is the goodness and this <laughs> is the difficulty and option B looks like this and this is the goodness and this is the mm-hmm, difficulty. Mm-hmm. And what do you want? A or B, right? But it's like, that's not, not only is it not the point, that's just not the way that it happens. And so living into the experience is rich, but it is also blind in so many ways. Yes. Yeah. And Sometimes we think we would like to know, right? But we also have to live into it. We have to manifest it. So sometimes I think of, you know, kind of getting as much as as is needed to know along the way um, in order to actually make these changes. Um, And sometimes we do receive very direct feedback from the larger universe. It almost gives us just enough to know to kind of make the next step. Um, But often, often it's not the full picture. Um, and we, we wouldn't be able to live into it. And that's part of the process. Yeah. You would almost, I mean, I know my take in what I would have done is just, then you, you, you stop growing for that amount of time that you think something's going to happen mm-hmm. and you just say, Oh, well, it's not up to me anyway. Like it, it doesn't serve right the purpose that you think it's going to serve. Um, and that's, yeah. I think you already said this, Annie, but that's just not the point. Like when I get X, Y, and Z, I'm going to be so happy is not the point. Like that's not actually true, you know? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's part of it is, is the journey is what's so fun. Well, and that's another thing that just this whole conversation we're on right now reminds me, Amanda and I were working through a work situation together last week. And I had said to somebody that, um, that we both work with, that, you know, we were talking about a situation and my commentary to this person was, well, that's above your pay grade. Like, that's not something mm. you need to worry about. That's not something that you get to call the shots on. Mm-hmm. And the way that it was probably perceived, now that I look back on it, it was probably like, oh, that's pretty rude. Like, that's not, <laughs> it's not really what I want to hear. But I, I meant it in a much different sense in the, in the way that, like, there is so much. I remember I had a pretty critical moment on a retreat with you, Annie, and your business partner, Anne Marie. Mm-hmm. And Anne-Marie can be very blunt, which is amazing. And I love mm-hmm. it because she is just no holds bar. And she literally just said to me, like, Angie, that's above your pay grade. Like, you do not get to pick that. You do not get to decide that. Mm-hmm. You're trying to put end caps on something that you literally have no sovereignty over. Mm-hmm. And you have to, all you have to do is, is on your part, do the allowing and the yielding and the stilling. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, and I think that's a little bit what we're talking about in that we do have sovereignty over certain things, but there's so much that we don't. Mm -hmm. And how do you, in the midst of that, where you want to control so much the outcome to have your peace of mind shared with others, to have people understand your position, to feel righteous, to feel, you know, kind of justified. But there's just so much in that that is just a false sense of any sort of accomplishment or goodness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What I, what I love about what you're saying, Angie is, um, I mean, you're kind of pointing to getting to the heart or the root or like the need that might be expressed and wanting to know. So, you know, when we want to know how a particular circumstance is going to end up, or I want to know, you know, about, um, a relationship or about a job or about, you know, fill in the blank, any part of, of, of our knowing it's not so much the inherent kind of place of wanting to, you know, figure things out, or even wanting to live in a way that is kind of following your soul's path. 
But if you feel the undercurrent, sometimes you want to know out of a deeper need, um, you know, maybe it's to feel security, maybe it's to feel loved, maybe it's to feel like we're not alone any longer, maybe it's to feel as though we are peopled, and that we have support. Those are those are actually pieces that um, if you can feel the inherent quality of, of inquiring or wanting to know from those places within, that's very different than the ego wanting to know, you know, will I win the lottery, which, you know, statistically speaking, no, but you know, the, the, the deeper place that might say, you know, I am really feeling tired from working as long as I have, or the hours are draining me, or I feel like this isn't the career that's bringing me life. Can you feel where a desire to win the lottery at a deeper level that wanting to know, you know, will I be okay? Will I be taken care of? Will I have enough? That's a very different kind of conversation that happens on a soulful level. And when we come into wanting to know from those deeper places, then there's mm-hmm. actually a spiritual movement to it. Um, and we may get intimations about what's coming in our future, what, what we're struggling with, how a relationship might be shifting. But all you're doing, going back to alignment, is you're getting into alignment. You're getting into that allowing place to let the larger movement of the world move through you, work with you, and bring forward really what your heart desires. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Well said. And, I mean, I think, aren't we all so grateful we're not in charge of how it all unfolds? It's so complex and beautiful, and a lot of times what comes through is not what you would have ever, absolutely, ever imagined, you know? So it's, when you think of it that way, it's truly beautiful. And the fact that you have no control of, over other people is how amazing Very is that? Free. We have no control over other people and how, right. like all we can do is, is focus on ourselves really. And I think, you know, people will shift and that kind of thing, but it is totally not on our time mm-hmm. and not how we might see it unfolding. And I just, we get shown that time and time again. Right. I think that when we're left to our own devices and our own kind of human human brains, humanity, and how we want to look at things, we think there are kind of two sides to a coin. But then when you allow for possibility and universal kind of goodness to happen, suddenly a two-sided coin turns into like a multifaceted diamond, right? And so there are millions of ways to kind of look through it and get a different different outcome that just that minute just like shift of the lens makes everything so different and thank goodness because i would have only said there were two sides or two options whereas there are infinite possibilities yeah um annie tell us what it's like if somebody was new to working with you what yeah what's that like to to work with you now and and i know you do a lot of larger group sessions and things like that but what does what does that look like so you know it has evolved from when i began and some of that's just followed my own spiritual path and so i guarantee you it will evolve even from the time of this podcast <laughs> so it's a moving a moving target but you know, if you worked with me, what we, what you could expect is to come in and sit together um, and we would drop into a space together. It's actually not just a meditative space, but it is a multidimensional space that, that will start to speak and kind of open for you and for your experience. I often invite people to bring forward something that they want to focus on. You could think of it like a sacred question. Um, more in the, again, more of like a meta purpose zone, not so much, you know, what should I do tomorrow, but really looking at how you're being guided and led in the larger pieces of your life. Um, and then often the sessions take two points, um, two places we could go. One would be often we do some clearing work, which is energetic clearing. So it's intuitive in nature, but we're essentially clearing ego stories that can perhaps inhibit um, actually moving forward. So it's a stuckness at times in, in our life. I do not pretend to hold the corner on knowing what those are for you, but we are in an engaged listening conversation together. And then we use energetic process to clear those ego stories as they're often held in the body 
but also in this space that's all around you. Um, the second one would be listening into the multidimensional space for how you um, are being invited forward at this time. And um, that comes from a variety of different sources as I listen and attune to basically each person. Um, but it always is like a checking process of you're the best expert on your life. You know, this is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm noticing. This is what I'm intuiting. How is that landing for you? you know, what are you perceiving um, so it's, it's not to replicate that, that guru model of, you know, come up to the mountaintop, get your answer and go back. Um, it's far more of a living, breathing conversation, a co-creative one together, um, because that again is what it means to awaken. As we've talked about, um, you're no longer just saying, let life be as it is. Um, you move into a, a position of being awakened that actually invites you to become more clear about how you are led and guided forward at this time. And it's just such a cool way of doing it. The whole, you don't need, I mean, it's such a selfless way of doing it. If, you know, if I'm you and I, you know, of course, I think people still want to work with you because you can provide that added layer of, you know, additional support, additional listening. But I'm just thinking about where we all started in the journey and how like frequently we needed you and um, how cool it is that you empowered all of us to say that you know no you can do this on your own right and that's just cool you don't hear that a lot like i i completely agree because i'm sitting here thinking how many times did you and i (laughs) i mean not to imagine how many other people you're working with annie so like it has to feel like initially when you start working with people that they find themselves in crisis mode all the time and they're constantly texting you or picking up the phone to call you and say like, I need, I need you, I need you, I need you. But your whole premise of your entire purpose now is to help people understand how they can look within and find their own path without having to rely on you. And you start to see people, it, it's first got to feel kind of gratifying too to w- realize that when people stop reaching out, it's not that they aren't doing it anymore. It's that they are doing the work that you kind of helped set them on the path of doing. But yeah, to Amanda's mm-hmm. point, I think it's incredibly selfless and very life-giving and sustaining to see that that is how you are working with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when we do yeah, get to I mean, work with you, it's... It's even more magic. It's even more magical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And it's, I, I want to say it's, it's absolutely mutual. So, and I, I think you're pointing to something, Angie, that's changed in me, you know, from being more of, um, you know, directly sort of giving people answers or feedback and moving into more of a teaching role, um, consulting role with individuals, um, realizing that we all have these capacities. We really do all have um, spiritual senses that can know what's best or what's being invited forward in our lives. If we, again, have just a few handleholds or tools on how to position ourselves in a particular way that then naturally will open the process. So in short, you know, if I could simplify what, what I do and I'm putting do in quotation marks, you know, I hold an awakening vibration. I'm holding, I'm holding even on this call, I'm holding an awakening kind of vibration on the podcast that allows for just movement to start um, the soul to start to move and come forward in our experience. And then the second layer would be then teaching people how to be in a position um, that allowing yielding stilling process where then they can start to feel the awakening movement in their own life. Um, so it's simply just getting into kind of this, the awakening stream that's already moving in our world. So I know we're kind of getting to the end of time. I can't believe how quickly this conversation has gone, but um, before we kind of wrap, want to leave open the space for anything that's coming through right now for any of us, right? But in terms of if there is anything that we still feel we need to kind of unearth and uncover a little bit here or anything that just like kind of needs to be said. So just kind of want to have a quick little pause and kind of leave space for that really briefly before we move into closing, closing things out. So Angie, the only piece I hear to offer yet is, um, you know, the recent 
past few years in our world, because it's well beyond just the pandemic. Um, if we feel it as an unearthing, but really as an invitation for us to begin to look more closely at our lives, the very fabric of how we live um, to be more concrete, what, what's working and what simply is no longer serving us. There is a tremendous opportunity here for all of us to start to live into a more awakened way, a more conscious um, existence. And it is, as we've already underscored, it is not always comfortable, but the call is there. And even those who are listening, you may already feel that call within you to start to take a second look at really what you are, um, that you are not all that has been built around you, but that there is an alive part within each and every one of us, um, that soul state that is you know, returning back to the truth that is already within you. And while we can, you know, wring our hands and feel distraught about all that's happened in our world, and, and I'm with you, I, you know, it, it's painful. However, um, there is also a call in, in our space, in our world. And my, my greatest hope is that we all, we all heed and, and listen in a way that is transformative. Well, I think you kind of answered a little bit of the question. One of the things we were going to pose was around, obviously, with our podcast and looking to discover ways that we can each live into the ease and the grace and the flow of life, um, even in its complexities, you know, would there be a tip or an idea or a way in which you try to connect in with your own ease, um, kind of regularly, even daily? Um, so you might have just answered that with kind of what you talked about within the world and what we've been experiencing and how to tune in. But anything else to say on? your own kind of practice for stepping into ease on a daily basis? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'll offer one that's very simple and we can all do this even right now on, a, on the call, but we actually are often actually standing outside of ourselves. So if you can think of it, like you have your body and then your sense of awareness or what you would think is you is actually kind of outside of yourself. So it's an image that might help you, but just kind of being a little bit actually disembodied. And there's, a, I forget which spiritual teacher just said that, you know, he perceives that one of the greatest um, challenges we have facing our world right now is that we essentially are disembodied. We're living in our head all the time. And we've forgotten mm. that we have a living awareness that's within us. So a simple practice would be if you just imagine that you can just see your body, like you would objectively seeing it, and then just feel where you are right now. And you may notice that the two are actually not together. And then we often have like a stepping back. So it's all intuitive. You may feel yourself stepping back into your body and then just putting your hand on your heart will help you kind of land and arrive. Right inside yourself, right inside your experience. And it brings you into the present moment. And that is really like I would call it step one of awakening. You really are just coming back into you. Mm. Feel that. Very cool. Well, Annie, we are just so happy to have had this time with you. And where, if people are intrigued by what they've heard today and would love to hear more about what you do or see more about what you do, where would you direct people to connect with you? So I would connect them with um, one of my websites, which is commonawakening.com. Primarily, um, that is where we offer awakening classes and retreats, and I offer them with my colleague, Anne-Marie. Uh, so that's the best way to have most immediate connection and access. I do have a second site, which is called awakethesoul.net, and it's primarily informational at this point, um, simply to say more about me and what I offer you know, um, consultation and classes and programming, but primarily I would encourage you to go to commonawakening.com where there is really a risk, a rich and robust community of others who are awakening. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. We're so thrilled lovely. to have this time. Really appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks for listening all and we will catch you very soon. 
That's a wrap for this episode of Easy A's Podcast. Thank you for stopping by and joining us. For more information on what we discussed today, check out the links in the show notes. We'll be back at you soon for another conversation amongst friends. But if you'd like to connect with us in the meantime, find us on Instagram at Easy A's Podcast. We'd also be ever so grateful if you would take a hot second to subscribe to our podcast and give us a quick rate and review. And better yet, share us with one of your friends. See you soon.